0: you stick around at the end there's more information about our community and how to find us and now here's this week's centering scripture followed by the sermon our scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke now every year Jesus's parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover And when he was 12 years old, they went up, as usual, for the festival. When the festival was ended and they started to return, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But his parents did not know it. Assuming that he was in the group of travelers, they went a day's journey. And then they started to look for him among their relatives and friends, and when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem to search for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Child, why have you treated us like this? Look, your father and I have been searching for you in great anxiety. He said to them, Why were you searching for me? Did you not know that I must be in my Abba's house? But they did not understand what he said to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. His mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in years, in divine and human favor. Well, good morning again, everyone. Before we dive into our sermon and our scripture, I want to say a a few words about where we are heading this month. As I mentioned at the top, we are, or will be, in remote-only worship for at least this week and next week. Though about a month away from now, early in March, we will be starting the season of Lent, a season in which I hope we will find us back worshiping together and then moving forward towards the spring in a season of adding more and more layers of our mission and ministry back into practice and back into practice in person. I do hope and expect that the worst of this surge and perhaps even the worst of this very long pandemic season is beginning to be behind us. With that in mind, we have this month here in February that I'd like to put some extra thought into taking stock of where we are and where we are headed. For the next few Sundays here, I want to explore what it looks like for us to navigate this transitional time faithfully, beginning today with this scripture and this story. Now typically when we do look at this scripture, we focus on the wonder that is 12-year-old Jesus arguing and impressing at the temple. See here, even from a young and developing age, Jesus is one who inspires and amazes. And it's true. We also tend to focus on that closing portion of the scripture where Jesus tells Mary and Joseph, hey, did you not know that I would be here in my heavenly parents' house, here in the temple? Did you not think to look there first? This statement establishes here early in the gospel that we can look to and expect in Jesus to find one who is both fully human and fully divine and that the creative tension of being both will carry our gospel forward. Yes, this this passage, as the only glimpse that we receive of Jesus between his birth and the launch of his formal ministry at the age of 30, this passage carries a lot of weight in describing who Jesus is and who Jesus is becoming. There are many ways in which you could take this passage. But as I'm sure I say far too often these days, the amount of time that I have been parenting little ones recently once again has me seeing this morning's passage in a new light, or at least in a light that I had never spent very much time thinking of. I am suddenly shocked to notice here in this story That the precious, miraculous child whose birth we just finished celebrating a few weeks ago, that precious child is missing. For the bulk of this passage, Jesus is a missing child. One whose absence isn't noticed for a full day while Jesus' family travels, and then for three full total days before he is actually found. Is it just me, or is that kind of a big deal? That Jesus, of all people, would be missing, unbeknownst to those who know and love him most. How can this be? And for the sake of our consideration, what happens when Jesus is missing from the midst of those who stake their lives on loving Jesus. Well, Jesus goes missing in part because Mary and Joseph here seem to be trusting in the fact that the collective is moving all in one direction. They are trusting in the direction of the masses, which is to say they are following and going with the crowd here. And in doing so, they're failing to look closely enough at what is most important to them, or at least what should be most important to them. Swept up in the movement of the masses, they are now moving further and further away from Jesus. I can recall this type of dynamic vividly as this same thing happened to me once when I was a freshman in college, though admittedly with lower stakes. My first year in undergrad, I was a commuting student at the University of Michigan. And I had met some new friends on campus who were going to the football game, and I had not been to a a game at the stadium there before, what they called the Big House in Ann Arbor. And I was eager both to go and to get to know these new friends better. So it just so happened that I left a little late that morning, didn't anticipate how much game day traffic there would be as a newbie. And so by the time I actually made it to Ann Arbor, drove around and around and around and found a place that I could park, I was already late and those generous new friends were waiting around for me at the gate so that they could actually go to the game. I was feeling anxious and feeling bad that I was letting them down. So as soon as I found a, a parking spot in the weird, curving, twisting streets of Ann Arbor, I parked my vehicle as soon as I could closed the door, grabbed my keys, and took off running. Now, in this case, it didn't matter that I did not know Ann Arbor very well because everywhere that you looked, great masses of people were all walking in the same direction. Hundreds of thousands of people descend upon that stadium on game day, so even if you're new to the area, you just have to follow the crowd. And that's what I did. I took off running, followed the crowd, made it to the stadium, graciously accepted a ticket from my new friends, and went into the stadium with absolutely no idea where I had just parked my car. So it was around about the third quarter of the football game, in a slow moment, where I was starting to think about heading back home and what was next that I, I realized I have no idea where my car is parked in this city that I do not yet know well at all. So I turned to my new friend and mentioned that and said, you know, I, I really don't know where my car is. I'm just kind of realizing and I took off running as soon as I parked and, and he said, oh, I'm sure you'll find it. And I said, yeah, I'm sure you're right. I bet I'll be fine. So the game ended, I think we lost, and I went off in search of my car, having really no idea where I was going. You see, it was really easy to follow the crowds on the way in, but actually finding my way back to wherever I was, that was a whole different journey. I'll fast forward here and say that it took me over five hours to find my car that day. It was starting to get dark, and I actually had to call someone that I was dating at the time who had a car to come and help me drive around the city to find it. Oh, And oh, the relief that came in the midst of that great anxiety of finally finding what was lost. Now that was a big blunder and a kind of a funny story to come back to now, but that was really just a minor inconvenience in my life, a little learning lesson. But the stakes are far higher for the life of faith when we are talking about following the crowds, following the masses, away from Jesus when what is missing is not your parked car, but the very one whose way and life and teachings, we say, will guide us as individuals and as a community. What happens when Jesus is missing from the midst of those who stake their lives on loving Jesus? Now, unfortunately, we don't need to look long and hard to find examples of the church walking away from Jesus throughout its history. In nearly every chapter of its life, you can find those claiming the mantle of the church or claiming the mantle of Christ following the crowd away from Jesus' teaching in search of comfort or numbers or power or privilege or maybe even of pledges. This has led to many ills and evils, including the Crusades, genocide, and slavery. Evils that often found the church growing in power and stature, while walking further away from the love of God and from the teachings of Jesus. But you know, it's It's not just the extremes or the institutional examples that matter. Little individual acts of prejudice, greed, and apathy likewise line our histories, not only as a church but as individuals, and ripple forward. At the same time, We also see in the church's history powerful examples of what it looks like to return to the way and the life and the love of Jesus. The same church that blessed the creation of the slave trade also housed those who fought vociferously for the abolition of slavery, for the expansion of civil rights, and for the liberation of all people. Here, too, It's not just the extremes or the institutional examples that matter. For little individual acts of grace, of brave love, of radical compassion, those two line our histories and ripple forward throughout time. If this scripture passage is in part about walking away from Jesus, It can also be about returning, about coming back to Jesus, even when that calls for going against the grain of the greater crowd. In times of great crisis, the church and its people can always be found either moving toward or away from Jesus. And friends, we have been navigating an incredible season of crisis and change. It is my hope and even my expectation that we are working towards coming out of this long and dark and confusing tunnel, that we are working towards a next chapter and a new beginning, and if that is indeed the case, oh God, may it indeed be the case, if that is so. And maybe this last little moment of separation, of slowing down, can provide a good time for each of us to take stock in where we are and where we are heading. And above all, to ask that simple grounding and guiding question, is Jesus here? Is Jesus here? in our midst? Are we going with God? Are each of these next steps that we are planning on taking, are they bound up in the love and justice of the gospel? We will soon, I hope, be returning to a more robust life of mission and ministry together. Life will speed up and move fast. And here in this age of institutional church decline, there will probably be a lot of ideas about what it looks like to be the church in the 21st century. There will be many examples of the crowd heading to a new direction. Many examples of what it looks like as individuals or families to get back on track. I hope along the way, each of us as individuals, and us as a church, can ask, are we moving away or toward the gospel that we know in Jesus? May God grant us faithfulness, self-awareness, and intentionality here this month as we take stock. Amen. As a church located on Lakota land in Minnetonka, Minnesota, St. Luke is a joyful, inclusive, intergenerational, and compassionate community on a spiritual journey seeking to do justice, make peace, and to walk humbly with God. We invite you to join us live for virtual worship each Sunday morning on Facebook or YouTube, or by following the worship links on our website, stluke.mn. Thanks for listening. May you go in peace.